All right, welcome. Happy Safer Internet Day. Uh, today is, uh, as we know, an, an important day where we talk about online safety. Uh, online safety, uh, given a lot of the uh, activities that have gone on recently, uh, in, in particular, uh, the Virginia Tech case that is on uh, a lot of our minds, uh, it, it can't be more important than right now on Safer Internet Day to talk about this issue. Uh, today, we have assembled an all-star roster of, uh, of individuals who can give us unique perspectives and also tips and strategies that, that parents in particular can take for a safer online experience for their kids and teens. Uh, so to start it off, we have Officer Mike Byers of Azusa Police Department. Thank you for being here. Sure. We also have uh, Heather Ryan. She's with uh, Safe in the City, but also the recently launched Get Safe Academy. Thank you, Heather, for having us. Thanks for having me. All right. And lastly, uh, but not least, we have James Ryan. Uh, James Ryan is the co-founder of Pocket Guardian. Pocket Guardian is uh, the first digital monitoring tool that keeps parents actively aware of what their kids are doing online without an invasion of privacy. So, James, uh, glad to have you here. Thank you, David. Thank you. All right. And what we're going to start off, uh, given that it is an important day of Safer Internet Day, uh, we can go in any particular order, uh, but, but I just want to kind of go around the digital room here and say, what's on your mind right now with uh, Safer Internet Day? What, what do you find as the, uh, the most important issue, the most pressing issue of 2016 uh, dealing with a uh, safer internet? So, uh, officer, we can start with you. Well, uh, thank you very much, and I am wondering if I'm the only one in this room that does not have Ryan in their name. <laughs> it, really, it was a pretty, it was a pretty wreck, but uh, given given your stature and given that you're wearing a uniform, we decided to to nix that that requirement. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Okay. Well, welcome everybody for joining. We got 20 people in the room. It's going to be a great blab. My department is happy to sponsor this and send out some great information. Uh, I can see some of uh, my followers are here on the side. So welcome. Thank you. Spread the word. Uh, tell a little bird, everybody that's with us right now, 21 people, let's get out some good publicity about this, this blab. Okay. So for 2016, here is what my concern as a law enforcement officer that does social media is the new um, advent of live streaming video, just like what we're doing right now. We have the popular applications such as Periscope and, uh, you know, uh, Mevi is another newcomer that just came around the uh, the block, and then there's Meerkat. Well, I foresee we're going to have a little bit of a problem because now we're introducing Facebook Live. And as much as Facebook Live is going to be a powerhouse, it's going to be a game changer because, number one, we all know Facebook is the big gorilla in the room uh, with over, I think, what is it, at uh, 2.67 billion users, I believe. Well, now everybody will have the opportunity to use live streaming video with very little training. It's a matter of just pushing the button and going live. And I think we're gonna see a lot of issues arising from that because now uh, a lot of young folks that claim not to be on Facebook, but we really do know you still love the platform and you're still here. Um, we know you're gonna be using it as well as people that are driving their vehicles. Uh, now it's gonna be even, even more of a problem and we don't, advocate anybody live stream and drive. So with that, that's my concern for 2016 is the safety and security of live stream video. Um, my concern for 2016 is just kind of like what Officer Byers just said, but <clears throat> getting information out to parents and 
educating them about what all this is. You know, we're even talking about we're on Blab right now, but I can guarantee you there are a lot of parents that don't even know what Blab is. Um, they don't know what Meerkat is. They don't know any of this. So they might be on Facebook to share pictures of their kids and stuff, but they are not getting educated. So what we need to do is get the word out, educate parents. What are those risks? And even you're talking about live streaming. Um, parents, you and I, Mike, understand the, uh, the consequences of live streaming gone bad, but really a lot of parents are very naive and don't understand why that risk might be. So let's focus on education and empowering those families. Right, right. So that's a great question. And I think that what the important thing to do is start that conversation with your kids, because what they might be on today might not be what they're on tomorrow. So this isn't about let's sit down to the dinner table and have one discussion about what's going on in your social media world. It's about let's sit down every night of the week or several nights a week. Maybe it's something that you even schedule. Like we schedule a recap of our week at my house because everybody's going a million different places. People are at soccer or whatever they are, but you need to check in. So it's not a one-time conversation. It's a conversation that you're continually having over and over again with your kids. Right. Right. So for Pocket Guardian, the, the, the major thing for 2016 is uh, along the same lines as Heather to make parents more aware of the dangers of social media and all of the new apps that children are using and, and the proper ways that uh, the parents and uh, children should be using digital media. Um, so bringing awareness to parents, uh, providing resources to the parents, grandparents as well, uh, on, on how to handle incidents of cyberbullying, uh, sexting, uh, just everything that's going on with the, the social media world. <laughs> you know, I want to capitalize on something though before um, what on on Heather 
um, and James had said, and just something really important about parents, you know, um, we don't put firearms in kids' hands or anyone's hands unless they have proper training because it's such a deadly tool. And we have to, as parents, need to look at social media in that way because we have seen, in fact, we're convened here right now because we know a, a child last week took took her life because of social media. So social media is a deadly weapon if not properly used. And, and that will lead me, uh, um, uh, so, so it's imperative that parents take it that serious, that they train um, themselves as well as uh, their children on the, so the safe use of social media and uh, simply being uh, digital citizenship, being good citizens online. Um, that's where it starts. And parents, you need to model good behavior on social media. That's where it starts because your kids are watching. Now, on to your question about live streaming and the securities and the, the concerns with it. Uh, um, there is so much that needs to be discussed about this. And I don't wanna take up the whole time just on what I brought up, but um, it all starts from, uh, you know, we, we joke when people um, win the lottery and they go and they blaze through all the money because they've never had that much money before, or they get this idea that uh, now that I've got the money, I can start a business and they've never had owned a business a day in their life and they lose the business. It's the same thing. If you'd never have done live stream video, you can't just hit play and go at it. And, uh, and so you have to think of everything from what's your backdrop? What's, what's behind you? Are you revealing what your location is? If you're a um, male or female and you have potential stalkers or a large community there, uh, which we've seen Gwyneth Paltrow is currently going through it and testifying in court for a stalker for 17 years she's had, and he's found out where, where her personal address is. It's the same thing. If you're going to be live stream video, what's your backdrop? Are you revealing your location? Are you giving little clues as to who you are or where you like to go, where you like to eat? Uh, these, these, you just have to be so cognizant about everything with live stream video. It's live. And keep in mind, if you have somebody that's nearby you and knows that you're live streaming and all these applications do it, I've done it myself. I told a little bird, everybody knows right now there's an Azusa police officer online. And so if I'm telling a little bird and I have a stalker and now I've absolutely identified my position to that stalker, which could lead to some bad things. So I would say the first the first order of live stream is uh, knowing your backdrop, your location, and just knowing that some things just don't need to be revealed on video. Yeah, I think that um, Mike brought up a really good point regarding um, we're the first role models. Uh, I think it, 
especially lots of moms, we different stores will have things like get 20% off if you check in. You know, if you're constantly checking in and into Starbucks or wherever, and but then you're telling your teenager not to do it, and they see you doing it, it's it, modeling that good behavior. Same as you know, we can talk about cyberbullying and things like that. Uh, we tell our kids to do X, Y, and Z, just like in regular life. You know, you te teach your kids to be kind to others and to tell the truth and whatever. But if you're not modeling that good behavior, it falls on deaf ears. So, so do the exact same thing online. Um, if you're telling your kids to be cognizant of what you're putting out online, then you too need to be cognizant of what you're putting out online. You don't need to be putting all those pictures of them that you, you know, doing crazy things or revealing what school they go to, things like that. You know, it's just something to be aware of. Uh, model the behavior that you expect to see out of your children. I see a lot of the same exactly yeah. where they are all the time, all the time. And with the little kids, like, geez, I even see stuff on playdates. Uh, we're going to go to this park at this time. Uh, come meet us. What in the world? You don't know who's coming to meet you at that park at that time. Right. Not a good idea. Hey, we're all in Florida on vacation for two weeks. Go around my house. I mean, this, not, this is not a good, good idea. So, yeah, I mean, real simple stuff like that that they see all the time. Well, I, I've got to, I got to jump in on this one, uh, James. It's, it's people like, uh, you know, James and these companies that are coming forward, they're recognizing the problems. They're bringing a product to the market. And, you know, thank you, you know, my hat's off to you. Um, of course, I obviously have to put the endorsement that the, uh, you know, uh, the Azusa Police Department does not uh, neither uh, endorse or, <laughs> you know, uh, whatever the legal requirement is. I think everybody knows where I'm going with that. But what I can tell you is this is, um, you know, my four-year-old uh, started playing with the iPad and can manipulate that. Now he's five and he can manipulate the phone and the iPad, no problem. And there's some people, there's proponents out there that say, hey, kids shouldn't have access to uh, electronic devices until they're whatever, 13 or 14. I got news for you. They, they do need access back when they're young. And the reason why is it's easier for mom and dad to correct the behaviors early than it is to correct the behaviors when it's already ing ingrained in them several years later. 
if, if that makes sense. It's so, so when they're young, you know, my son has learned, no, you ain't buying nothing unless mom and dad approve of it. And, and then obviously you got to put the settings on there, but you start explaining this why, and you start modeling yourself, good behavior when they're young on social, on social media, but you also um, get them used to using the phone properly and correctly so it's ingrained to them and they continue with these good habits you employ training like what um, heather's doing and you use apps like frenity where you can you can somewhat control and teach them what's right to do on social media and you have pocket guardian you have you know there's a couple other applications out there that will help you as a parent get your children going down the right road on social media it's 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 just so important. Everyone needs training. In fact, if you think about it, uh, James, uh, let me ask you this. When you signed up, uh, James, do you have Facebook or Twitter? I do, actually. Okay. And I would have ventured to say, now, unless you're one of the few, but I would venture to say you're just like me. Hmm, let me give this Facebook or Twitter a try. Let me enter my first name, last name, my date of birth, whether I'm a male or a female. Let me put in um, my email address, and I agree to the terms of service, and boom, go, and I'm online. I have an account, and I can do whatever. And what do we all do as Facebook and Twitter new users? We go, we post something. We don't really realize what we're doing that we just revealed, like Heather said, that right. we're on vacation. And uh, just signed up for this as I sit by the pool and loving it. And here's pictures of the kids. And meanwhile, Slim Shady is going, hmm, that's excellent because I'm going to go get my 80-inch TV out of your living room right now. So it, we know we don't read. We don't – the terms of service, uh, you know, we don't get trained, and that's where it's important. So, David, we've actually talked to some of the, the major social media uh, platforms, and they're, they're, they're aware that these issues exist, but they're, they're more along the lines of individual incidents aren't going to hurt our bottom line. So they're, they're trying to make it seem like they're uh, concerned about the, the, the cyberbullying and sexing events that are out there, but... Uh, a lot of them are, are, are more concerned about the money that they're making than, than our children.
yeah, we, we, we think uh, a, a lot of it does fall on the parents because they're, they're, they're just handing over the device without actually setting guidelines or uh, letting the child know how they should actually uh, uh, have day-to-day -day communications uh, with, with, a, with a cell phone device. Um, I think personally that there should be some type of manual that comes with cell phones uh, that helps the parents and the children to know how to actually properly uh, uh, use the cell phone and what, what is an appropriate and appropriate day-to-day uh, -day communications on uh, social media. Mm -hmm. So I think the conversation is always being overlooked. It's like how Mike mentioned earlier, the gun thing. Guns don't just go off, right? It's same, same as phones. A phone in a box is not a threat. It's the kids not understanding how to use those phones, but it's also about parents not understanding. Listen, our kids are brilliant. They've been dealing with this stuff since they were born. And it's important. It's part of their world. We can't just stick our heads in it and pretend like, you know, uh, the internet's going to go away. It's just a passing phase and cell phones are going to go away. So it's about, you know, pick up that phone, get engaged, learn what kick is, learn what your kids are on. And you do that through educational programs. I mean, you know, through get safe Academy programs like that. I mean, all everyone on this call has amazing insight into what's going on, whether it be in law enforcement, social media, whatever, reach out to people, reach out to the internet, or, you know, look things up. But also in your own community, I think that starting a dialogue, not just with your friends, but your community members, I think that parents are almost embarrassed to say that they don't understand what's going on in their kids' social media lives or how to use a phone. And I bet you that if you're at the bus stop and you say, hey guys, uh, have you heard of Snapchat? How does it work? You're going to have parents all around you are like, oh crap, I thought it was just me that didn't understand. I wasn't going to say anything because I was embarrassed. So it's not just opening a dialogue with your kids, it's opening a dialogue with anyone else in your life. And if you find a new app that pops up, like you said, every day, share it. Share it with the people in your community, with your family, whatever. Get the word out. And then you have that open dialogue you know, to learn, to discuss. And it opens a platform for you to teach your kids how to use it responsibly.
Well, um, I want to, I also want to hit on a couple things here on Denise's comment that you had focused on. Uh, and, and James is pretty much right. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of factors that are involved with all the social media platforms. And that is that, uh, uh, how does it affect their bottom line? Um, let me let Ryan or Heather back in here. Okay. So uh, how does it affect their bottom line? Uh, look, like any business, they're in business to make money. And, uh, you know, uh, the other thing is, is uh, a lot of these social media companies, uh, their big claim to fame is First Amendment rights. And uh, they're not going to trump on somebody's First Amendment rights. I want to give a shout out, though, to the Twitter, the folks at Twitter, because this last, uh, I think it was on Friday, they dumped 127,000 ISIS Twitter accounts. Hats off to them. Thank you for doing that. We appreciate that. So, Denise, to, to basically sum up the uh, question, no, they're not doing, they, they know about the problem. They're, they're trying to address them. Each platform has their family and their uh, family pages on there for safety and security. Um, we need to step it up, all of us as a nation. Um, uh, and how do we, so going on the lines of uh, how do we uh, invoke transparency, I guess, with our children when, we're, when, when they're talking with us. And um, I, I think it comes right out of the gate. You got to be um, hard and fast and straight to the point when they get that device in their hands for the first time that you have a very clear understanding with your children that, listen, I expect 100% honesty, even when you mess up, it's okay. I want you to tell me so that we can work through whatever the issue is. But um, by you being honest with me, will show that I can trust you. Uh, and so, uh, you know, one thing that I always encourage parents to do, and that is to, uh, they need to have their child's email account on their phone. And when the child goes to try to change the password, sign up for a new account, the parent is seeing the email come through. Now, a lot of people say, well, wait a second, what if they just get another email account? Well, I'm telling you right now, if number one, if they get another email account, they just violated your terms of service between mom and dad and, and the child, and boom, the device is gone. And two, you're going to notice that there's no traffic on the legitimate email account, and it's going to let you know, okay, he's not getting any email or she's not getting any email here. They've got it somewhere else. The other, the other transparency is, hey, you need to be able to uh, at any time, and it needs to be an open agreement with your children, at any time that I ask to see that device, you are to hand it over. And you also are never, ever allowed to change the password to the account without mom and dad's knowledge and, and approval. Doesn't mean you just say, hey, mom and dad, I'm changing the password. Okay, that's knowledge, but have we approved it? And those are some of the things you can keep that transparency at. And if you're going to do Tech Tuesday, well, then you ask them, let me see your device. And it has to be an understanding um, that, uh, you know, now, now people say, well, wait a second, that's an invasion of privacy. Hey, I got news for you. Your mom and dad, your child's under 18, okay? Uh, the only privacy they have is when they're in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to get that vulgar, but I think you understand what I'm saying. Uh, no, uh, they don't have privacy on social media um, or text messaging, as far as I'm concerned, when they're under the age of 18. And every single, every single parent that I've run into that's involved with their kids' lives, that, that shows love, that communicates, that disciplines, mom and dad talk, whether they're divorced or not, they talk, they exhibit good behavior. Every single one of them do not encounter problems on social media.
Hey, hold on one second. Um, Heather, do you see Heather? Can you guys see I, Heather? I don't. Heather, Heather, I think you need to um, refresh your screen and come back in because we can't see you. But go ahead. So, so to pair to uh, hand over a, a mobile device to to children, uh, one of the things that we tell them is that there are actually for for Android for iOS there are actual uh, blocking mechanisms so that when the child needs to download an app or so on and so forth, they actually have to get your permission. So that way, the child doesn't uh, download one of these apps that are potentially harmful that you're hearing about on the news. Um, we suggest to parents that uh, don't just let your child jump on a social media platform that you yourself aren't on. So if they have a Facebook account, you have a Facebook account, uh, friend them. If they have a Twitter account, you have a Twitter account. So to, to keep that kind of openness uh, between you and the child, you, you guys are kind of, and this helps the parent to, to learn how the actual apps, the, the social media is working, uh, whatever they're on, you get on. Um, a lot of parents don't know how these apps work. So the best way we tell parents is to download it, use it yourself, um, jump on websites like CyberWise uh, so that they can actually get a listing of uh, the applications that are potentially harmful and see what's going on in the world uh, with these particular apps. Uh, sit down uh, you know, at dinner time and just talk to your, your kid about you know, what they're doing on particular apps or um, if somehow they, find a way to uh, download an app that is potentially harmful, ask them why they needed to uh, download that app and what they're using it for. Um, even sit down and ask them who particular people are. If you've allowed them to download an app, ask them who uh, their friends are on these particular apps and do you know them? Where did you meet them? Uh, uh, because that's one of the big problems that uh, parents are having is children basically communicating with strangers. You wouldn't let your child, uh, uh, a stranger walk up to your child and start talking with them face to face. Why would you let your child talk to a stranger over social media? So just sit down, talk with your children more.
So I think we are talking to strangers all the time. However, I think when it comes to, so adults, sure, you're talking to strangers all the time, um, but you're an adult. You have the ability to determine what is and what isn't safe. But I think there still needs to be uh, uh, more of a, a strict uh, uh, way of communication when it comes to children, because they're not aware of what is and what isn't dangerous. They're, they're, they're uh, uh, what do you call it? Their, their way of thinking, their critical thinking isn't there yet to know that talk not developed. I, I think too, if it, sorry, I was hearing you guys, but I couldn't, sorry about that. But something also to, to and somebody left a comment here, something to remember too, when you're taking a look at their phones, understand what hidden apps are. So, you know, you've got a calculator app and things like that, educate yourself on how those apps might be hidden on a cell phone. Um, and that doesn't mean your kid is like awful bad, you know, that's trying to hide something, but the reality is we all hid stuff from our parents when we were little. So just keep that in mind also when you're looking at their phones. It's kind of interesting. Oh, sorry. I, um, I wanted to add on to what you, you were speaking about, uh, you know, talking to strangers and that type of thing. And uh, just because I, I know my time is dwindling down here, but um, I want to talk about uh, online dating and uh, whether it's for uh, children or or adults uh, in in I shouldn't say children because you know you know the teens, uh, but here's something uh, when we think about social media, we've gotten so much into the psychosis that social media is meant, uh, especially for those that do it for a living. Uh, you know, we want to be engaging, we want to be friendly, we want to be always take the high road, we want to be uh, positive every day. So there's all these good, warm, touchy feely feelings that we um, put out on social media, and I think a lot of times. Um, we get into the psychosis that everybody else is like that too. And so everybody's a friend on social media and no one is a harmful on social media, at least the people that are talking in their circle. Well, what we've seen with online dating is people will make friends with somebody, whether it be just immediately online or maybe a couple conversations. And the next thing we know, they're arranging to meet them in person. Right. And they meet them. Um, you know, we've had a case here in Southern California just a couple weeks back in Southern California where she agreed to meet the guy uh, at his house. And it wasn't really his house. It was just an address that he gave her. And he met her out front and they walked along the side yard. And there he, he sexually assaulted the female. And um, thankfully, they were able to get him into custody. But uh, just because you meet somebody online does not mean that they have any credibility or, um, you know, that they're a good person. So uh, online dating uh, and strangers, you got to be careful. And what, what do we tell people as law enforcement? We say, look, if you're going to meet somebody, whether you're selling something on, on, on one of the social media pro platforms that for selling, whether you're meeting somebody, uh, meet them in public, meet with a friend, make sure there's plenty of video cameras. And nowadays in this age, there's video cameras everywhere you go. So you're going to be safe there. Well-lit areas. Uh, and come on, just don't do the slim shady stuff that you see on, on the TV on Friday nights on, uh, you know, uh, cold case files or whatever like that. Don't meet in dark alleys or uh, residences you've never been to. And yeah, just uh, use good common sense.
I don't, I, I don't know how many cases I've had just like that. I mean, just like that. And I've had parents sit in my office and beg me to take them off the internet. And the reality is once it's on there, it's on there. I really don't see us going to, I, I don't even see how it's really possible to have the right to be forgotten because the issue is once it's out there, it didn't just go to the one guy who's uh, you know, asking the child for money or asking the child for more pictures. The bad guy, lots of times takes that picture and it's used as currency. So if you think of child predators out there on the internet to get into specific communities, they have to provide additional images. And so once it's put on any kind of forum, there is no way that we as law enforcement can take every single internet site. There's, there's a dark web, there's all kinds of issues. Once it's out, it's out. I mean, you can say, like the EU, yes, we're going to take it down, we're going to agree, but how can you really guarantee that that was ever done? We just can't. And so it goes back to the education piece, it goes back to understanding how these bad guys groom these children. And it really is a grooming process, just like it is when you have in-person people who molest children or whatever. It's just on the internet, they're, you know, first we're, we're getting to know each other, we're, I'm, you're trusting me, you're believing in me, and eventually I'm going to get you to send me inappropriate pictures. And then I'm going to share it with all my friends, whether I'm a teenage boy or I'm a 50 year old guy living in my mom's basement, I'm going to use that as currency. And once it's out, it's out. Yeah, well, Heather, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we dealt with it I'm, on a weekly basis and from all over the country. Um, and we saw a lot with, because of the population I used to work with were young men, actually. We always think of women or, or young girls showing inappropriate pictures, but we had young men who were speaking to a woman that they believed you know, was interested in them or whatever, and they're showing things, maybe that's a video, maybe that's an, a still image, providing it to this woman online, who of course either ends up not to be a woman online or you know whatever, but they show these inappropriate pictures, then the women or the bad guy says, okay, thanks, I have all these images, now you can wire me $500, or I'm going to send this to everyone you know. Um, and it, with the younger kids too, that comes into, okay, maybe not a money, maybe they're not asking for money, but hey, I am going to send this picture to everyone at your school, you need to send me more, and then they send more. And then it's, hey, we need to talk on the phone or else I'm going to take these pictures. And essentially it's just a blackmail form. And with the younger kids, it often results in them actually physically meeting the person because they're so scared of what this person's going to do with those images. But it's all about, it's just like, how someone would extort someone they're just doing it with the images are the currency rather than the money i uh, i i have to uh i have to i have to go um but i wanted to leave this on uh um on that topic about uh you know pornography sextortion sexting whatever you all all of it online here's something i saw a comment here um uh, Mike Oxard had left a comment about, you know, kids are going to be kids and teens are going to take photos and share them. Um, here's the way the law looks at this. Um, the law does not differentiate between that that the suspect was 15. Look, if you're in possession of any inappropriate material um, of a person under the age of um, 18 and you distribute that, 
Uh, and we see this happening in schools all the time. Uh, that is the same charge as an adult that is in possession of inappropriate material distributing it. And unfortunately, you know, we have, uh, you know, so some people might think, oh, oh, well, you know, there's just teenagers. Well, no, they're not just teenagers and you're just parents and you need to be doing your job. But um, so there is no differentiating. And uh, if you, you know, we call it the revenge porn law here in California. Uh, you know, we had a lot of ex-husbands, ex-girlfriends, uh, you know, everybody wants to get mad and say, hey, I've got these vid videos or photos of you. Hey, our new revenge porn law, well, they just revised it again here just recently. Um, look, if you have possession of harmful matter or, or private matter of another person and you distribute it, boom, there's, all bets are off. You're guilty. You're going to be convicted of a crime. And um, so bottom line with the sextortion uh, and, and the, the photos, there is no age as far as who can be suspect, who can be victim. Uh, nobody should be sharing that information uh, online. And, and the reality is, just like Heather said, you don't know where it goes. You just don't know where it ends up. So with that, I have to um, I have to go about some other duties. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Uh, what a great uh, cast. And um, uh, James, I'd love to connect with you offline. Same with you, uh, Heather. Um, I'm sure we can we can rally the forces. And uh, so everybody take care. Um, safer Internet Day. Very important day to all of us. And uh, thank you for having me on the show. You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have said that because now I know what's going to happen. This, this is going to go off, and I'm going to get some call <laughs> in regards to that, and, and I'm going to be buried in paperwork for the next 10 hours of my shift. <laughs> Heather, Heather knows what I'm talking about. I do. <laughs> Good luck, brother. I think there needs to be uh, uh, harsher uh, penalties for anyone that is actually cyberbullying or uh, sexing, or we, we actually have to come together as a society, as a world, to realize that this is this is a huge issue. Um, you know, every day on the news, there's three to you know tons. I, I can't even count uh, more incidents with a, a child who's taken their life. Uh, someone who's harmed someone else because they've been cyberbullied. I, I think we, we as a society, as a world, need to actually look at this more and uh, make people think, know that this is actually, uh, this is a huge problem and that we need to let people know that there are huge penalties for anyone that actually uh, commits these type of uh, acts. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, it's a really good question, a really good topic to bring up. I know that some, so I worked on a federal level and uh, from a federal level, the the penalties are very severe. Uh, you know, if you are found to be distributing those images online, but the, uh, from a local level with like with the two 16 year olds, I know that there have been jurisdictions that have stopped charging those kids because it has resulted in so many suicides. So whether that's the victim that's identified, because it's you know his the one the cases I'm thinking of are in Las Vegas area, um, it, and the girl committed suicide because the boy was charged, and it turned out you know he would be a sex offender for the rest of his life. And what kind of ramifications would that have on future employment? And you know we we all understand what that means. And so, it, but it, it's like on the one hand, you want to be, you want to have these tough laws. And on the other hand, you understand that these children aren't thinking with, they're not capable of making informed decisions, right? Your brain isn't done forming until they're 25 years old. So they're making ridiculous, rash decisions. But at the end of the day, those images, like we were discussing, are now on the internet. They're out there. And so that victim is now a victim for the rest of his or her life. You know, every time that you have a victim whose image has been, naked image has been put on the internet, you have to provide them with, from a law enforcement perspective, we have to provide them with information that says, every time a bad guy's computer is, uh, we seize a bad guy's computer and we find your image, because we will for the next 20 years we have to notify that person. So it's not like this This happens one time and now they're not feeling victimized. That person for the rest of their life is going to have to remember what happened, is going to have to be confronted by law enforcement forever to say, yes, I know that's me. They, now they can defer that and they can say, I don't want it to be notified, but the reality is once it's out, it's out. And I don't know how we differentiate between, well, if you're 18 or younger, you are not culpable. I don't know that that can happen. And I do understand the, the argument, certainly. I understand the reality of the argument, but bottom line is that is, image is still out there. Right. Well, 
I mean, I think parents should be more responsible. So I think that there should be a connection with, um, you know, somehow that parents have uh, a responsibility that if their child actually commits a particular act that they're somehow uh, actually responsible as well, that would give them a reason to have more of an interaction with their child and their social media communications, that they have a stake in being uh, actually uh, What am I trying to say? If if the child actually is actually how the parent's responsibility. I don't think, okay, I don't think there's a huge difference between cyberbullying and what we know as bullying, right? Besides, it is just so much more pervasive and it goes on for so much longer. When we would leave school, the, you know, the bullying kind of ended, but these uh, kids have to deal with it 24 hours a day. It, the hurt is still the same, but it's constant. You know, it's, it's in their rooms. If we allow them to have their computers or their phones in their rooms, uh, you know, that virtual door is wide open, but it hurts just the same. And, and kids have gotten, so you were talking about vagueness, gosh, people have gotten to be so um, smart about how they cyber bully. So they might not say, you know, I hate Joe. They might say, I hate him. And that's what I'm hearing a lot at, when I talk to schools and things like that, that they're very vague. Now the group that, that the kids are talking about, they know who they're talking about and the victim knows who they're talking about, but police don't know who they're talking about, you know, legally, there's, they said him, you know, there's nothing you can do about it. But right. it, for the child that's being victimized, really what's, there's no difference besides that it happens so much more frequently, I think. Right, it happens more. Yeah, cyberbullying, it, it, it's more frequent than regular bullying and it, it, it can actually be more harsh than actual physical bullying because, uh, you know, like Heather was saying, uh, it happens 24 hours a day and kids are actually saying harsher things over the internet than they probably would face to face where there's actual where there's the ability for witnesses to actually overhear
So at, right at the beginning of our of our um, lab, we talked a lot. So people missed the beginning. We were talking about uh, starting that conversation with your kids and starting that conversation with your community, not sticking your head in the sand, just watching this lab. If this is the first time that you're watching something like that, like that's a start, right? Just start educating yourself. You don't have to be a social media ninja. Just start understanding what apps are on. Start having that communication with your kids, with your community. Understand that this isn't going away and it's something that you need to empower yourselves with the knowledge to keep yourself safe. I, I think we need to just start educating children about the, the repercussions of sexting. Um, are we ever going to be able to reduce it? I'm not sure, but I think uh, we at least need to educate children on uh, why they shouldn't. Their, their parents should talk to kids about why they shouldn't. Uh, there should also be uh, some type of uh, educational platform. So uh, in schools, they should actually have this as a part of the curriculum, along with uh, why they shouldn't cyberbully. There should be some type of digital citizenship course um, about cyberbullying, about sexing, about everything that's involved with uh, appropriate digital citizenship. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.